0: Hello, thank you for joining us. We're proud to welcome you to our special series, In Chains, brought to you by Brill, where we talk about the history and the current state of slavery and human trafficking. I'm your host, Lee Jung Greco. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Alexis Jonathan Martig. He's an adjunct professor at University of Alberta and an instructor at Macuwan University. He's also author of Slaving Zones, Contemporary Slavery, and Citizenship. Dr. Martig, thank you so much for sitting down with us today.
1: Yeah, hi. Good morning.
0: So first of all, what is a slaving zone? Are they bound by geography?
1: So the concept of slaving zone is a concept which was defined by uh, Jeffrey Finpole uh, in order to describe how into a specific geographical area, uh, there was a there was a given society's uh, demands for slaves and uh, there were limits about, Uh, about the conditions of who who you were able to enslave or not. So progressively, we have seen through history the emergence of Christian and Islamic uh, blocs through the empires of mostly uh, in Europe. And we have seen the conditions uh, enabling and allowing to enslave some people uh, change progressively. So it was not possible anymore to enslave someone into your own Empire. So this is how progressively uh, Jeffrey Finbarr has described the emergence and appearance of slaving zone and no slaving zone. Because at first you were able to enslave people, uh, no matter the, the the place, no matter the society, the empire, etc. And with the first empires through history, so progressively, uh, you normally weren't able to enslave people inside your own empire. But the point was that truly uh, there were slave, uh, there, were, there were still uh, uh, enslavement going on uh, regarding uh, political um, conditions or economic conditions. But progressively with the emergence of the uh, empires based on religion with uh, Christianity and uh, Islamic religion, what happened is that into these empires, it was completely impossible and forbidden to enslave your fellow citizen and you, uh, co-religious citizens. So this is exactly the definition of a slaving zone emerging through history, places where uh, you weren't able to enslave people anymore. And at the same time, so the boundaries of the empire uh, were geographical exactly, but at the same time that you were uh, not allowed uh, to enslave people into your own empire, the boundaries outside were the slaving zone. So you were able to go and to take someone from another religion, another empire, and enslave them. So this is how progressively through history we have seen the, uh, the, the appearance of slaving zones and no slaving zones, places where you were able to uh, completely uh, enslave people and places where you were completely not allowed to, so uh, you didn't have the right to. So this is very interesting. What is mostly interesting is progressively also to, uh, also to try to understand uh, how can we today uh, talk about modern slavery because uh, we have progressively passed uh, through history through the anti-slavery movement, also with the emergence of the human rights after uh, World War II, we have passed today into uh, almost theoretically a global no-slaving zone, because today this idea of the slaving zone developed by Jeffrey Finpole, which was based on the fact that uh, people were sharing uh, a co-religious ethos into Christian and Islamic empires. Today, the ethos is global. The ethos which which forbid people to enslave other people is human rights or humanitarianism, which forbid people to enslave other people. And this is completely global. So the point is, uh, what is modern uh, day slavery? Can we still speak of modern day slavery when we know that we are living in a global no-slaving zone, and uh, can we still apply the concept of slaving zones today? And if we do, uh, can we uh, base it uh, on uh, geographical uh, boundaries? So this is uh, what is truly interesting about the concept of slaving zone, trying to apply it on today's situation, which is again, a global no-slaving zone, at least uh, based on the ethos of uh, human rights, which uh, is that we are not allowed to enslave other people. We have to respect the rights of every people on earth worldwide. And also the fact that progressively, also the legal status of slavery has been uh, almost completely uh, abolished uh, worldwide. So in this context, what is slavery? What is modern day slavery? And... Can we still use the concept of slaving zones uh, based on the same criterion, uh, which were uh, basically uh, geographic boundaries?
0: Yes. So let's focus on Brazil. Can you talk about specific cases of exploitation described as slave labor in Brazil today?
1: So in Brazil today, uh, actually, you will find modern slavery in the majority of the states, uh, Brazilian state, uh, both in rural as in urban area. And this is uh, very significant. Brazil is uh, a very interesting uh, case because it's not uh, one of the countries when you find the uh, most important number of uh, of, uh, modern slavery. But that's a country who has uh, led uh, different plans to uh, fight uh, modern slavery through uh, at the federal level as uh, at uh, the, the the scale of different states through different bills and different plans, etc. And the UN uh, acknowledged that uh, there were uh, the Brazil was a leader uh, into fighting uh, modern slavery mostly during, uh, the, um, during uh, um, uh, under the presidency of uh, Lula da Silva. And uh, after that, uh, Dilma Rousseff. Of course, of course, it has changed a lot uh, since that. Um, but mostly you will find uh, modern slavery in Brazil, in the majority of the states. And if different forms of uh, work, uh, mostly uh, civil construction, uh, textile manufacturing, uh, rural work, uh, remote, uh, migrant workers, uh, which are going to, uh, work in, uh, producing, uh, coal, for example, or are going to work in, uh, um, uh, cutting uh, sugarcane, or are going to go into Amazonia to prepare the lanes for the exploitation uh, with beef, etc. Uh, you will also find it in uh, meat production, etc. If you take uh, just here the example we have taken, meat production, textile manufacturing, and civil construction, all of these occur in a urban area. And uh, the rest is occurring in rural areas. So uh, it's almost everywhere in Brazil. uh, And there are even maps, official maps of uh, what they call Trabalho Escravo, which will be uh, enslaved labor uh, here. So it's official. There are official data of uh, modern day slavery in Brazil. And if you want to see how this situation illustrates what we just have said about the Um, the criteria of uh, the new slaving zone uh, based on mostly symbolic and economic uh, precariousness, uh, you will see that most of the people who are working in civil construction and or rural work are rural migrant workers coming from uh, rural areas and which again are seen and constructed as others, inferiors, because coming from the country uh, and this has been very strong in the construction of uh, the Brazilian society. So this is something which is developed into the text. We don't have the time to uh, go in uh, further detail here, but this is uh, something very important to understand that these citizens are easily exploited um, through uh, civil construction, uh, rural work and meat production also. About textile manufacturing, what is interesting is that it's mostly Bolivian people who are coming into uh, Brazil in order to uh, find, uh, to um, to flee uh, economic uh, precariousness from uh, Bolivia. So they are going there and mostly uh, Bolivians are exploiting other Bolivians through a specific uh, specific form of uh of relationships which are developed through uh, the people which are uh, in charge of uh, the uh, the, the 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 manufacturers of textile, so uh, they are going to be the godfathers of the workers. So there are specific personal uh, relationships which are developed. So it's a, a very uh, specific system here, but it is interesting to uh, see uh, how it works uh, with uh, others, the foreigners. So that will be uh, mostly what we can see today in Brazil. And again, what is interesting is that in Brazil we are talking of a post-slavery. Uh, country, one of the uh, country which has uh, used uh, the most important number of slaves uh, through history uh, during the transatlantic uh, trade, uh, slave trade. Uh, And what is interesting is to see that today modern-day slavery, for example, is not only and not uh, uh, exclusively and basically uh, based on uh, racist uh, criteria, so there are other criteria at play. Uh, still, it's 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 complex because these people who are poor uh, mostly are of uh, darker skins, uh, colors of skin. So it's all uh, interconnected. Uh, there are a question of intersectionality here between uh, social classes and color of the skin. But the criteria uh, of the uh, transatlantic uh, slave trade was mostly relying on the color of the skin. And here it's more complex. It's more economic precariousness, which was inherited from the uh, past uh, slave uh, society, Brazilian society. So you can see here uh, the interaction between the the context, today's context, global context of this global uh, economic uh, neoliberal, uh, situation, uh, capitalism, which is articulating with uh, past uh, the past inheritance of the past slavery in Brazil in order to give rise to new forms of uh, modern slavery. So this is uh, very interesting because all these people we are talking about from India, uh, from uh, Brazil and other developing countries, we have to understand that what they are producing is completely uh, embedded uh, uh, into uh, the global uh, commodity chain. So mostly what they are going to produce, we are going to participate to it into the global north. We are going to buy it, or we are going to buy some things uh, which are related to the global commodity chains these people are exploited into. So this is what is truly interesting here uh, with modern slavery that it's completely functional with capitalism, uh, and which uh, is also most interesting that capitalism is based on the idea of uh, free labor. Uh, that's the myth of capitalism. So, what is truly uh, uh, very uh, interesting here is that we can see that we have millions of people who are exploited through modern day uh, slavery uh, conditions, and it's completely functional with a system which uh, defend the very idea, uh, the myth we could say, of free labor. So this is something which is uh, very interesting to uh, study, understand, uh, even if it's uh, also very uh, sad for all these people who are exploited through conditions which are similar to past slavery when it was legal, even if today again uh, it's uh, condemned at a global scale, legally at least.
0: That's interesting. That leads me to my last question. You mentioned that slavery and capitalism are actually uh, well-paired here. So if you live in a democratic society, you expect all citizens have equal rights and that slavery is banned. But as you described, that's not really the case in Brazil. So what does that tell us about what kind of rights are actually guaranteed in a liberal capitalist democracy?
1: Well, what is interesting is that that's not exactly the case in Brazil, and that's the case in Brazil. And that's mostly what is important here to uh, highlight. If we want to understand the very conditions which enabled to enslave some people in uh, modern-day uh, um, conditions uh, today, so uh, which are from the same society. So this is because officially uh, all Brazilian citizens have the same rights. Uh, and as we said, for India also comparing, uh, there is no more, uh, legally, there is no more possible uh, discri- discrimination based on the caste system. But still, it happens. Still, it occurs. Because... There, we have been relying too much on the um, efficiency, the performativity uh, and the ability of uh, legal rights to uh, be uh, implemented. Uh, so it's not because we abolished some forms of discrimination. It's not because we said that everybody was equal that they are uh, in uh, uh, real life, in the day-to-day life. And this is something which is interesting because if you look at uh, today, liberal uh, capitalist democracy, you will see that uh, and this is something which is not new, which has been highlighted by um, the Indian politicist uh Porta Chatterjee. There is a gap between the formal official equality through rights and the real inequality of the day to day life. We are affirming that people are equals and because we are affirming that people are equals, we believe that uh, it's done. But it's not, and it's not because behind that, there is a capitalist system which is based on the idea that uh, we have done a social contract uh, based on uh, free labor so that uh, capitalism is organized on the very basis of the social contract. And this is a complete myth because uh, the choices here, we have just talked about, the uh, economic the economic precariousness which is leading people to accept and compelling people to accept conditions of work which are uh similar to uh, past slavery so where is the freedom here of choice first and then into the condition of work if we said that they are similar to past slavery so there are forms of unfreedom into these forms of labor, which are completely, again, functional into these global commodity chains. So it's not working. There is a discourse of equality, but beyond that, there is a capitalist system which is allowing and which is completely functional and working with forms of expectations, uh, which are similar to slavery. So this is uh, truly uh, problematic here. So if you look today at uh, numbers which are uh, given, and this is significant because if you look at the numbers uh, from, uh, for example, the uh, NGO uh, World Free, you will see that there is today uh, 150 billions of uh, annual illegal profits from modern day slavery. It's a lot. And that represents also 25 millions of people worldwide exploited in modern day forms of slavery, which usually are completely functional into the global commodity chains. So there is a true problem here between the different scales we are considering. uh, If you look at these different forms of societies, which are exploiting some citizens and uh, which are theoretically Uh, egalitarian societies. So again, take the the case of Brazil, take the case of uh, India. So there is a problem here between the fact that they are saying that everybody is equal and still the form of capitalism, which is uh, each time specific because it's articulated with specific uh, uh, histories uh, in Brazil in India. And this is going to lead to forms of exploitation which are uh, denounced and are similar to past uh, slavery. So, this is a problematic. Uh, there is a gap between the discourse and uh, the day to day life. And then we have also to replace it, relocate it at the global scale. And this is how we uh, understand that uh, there is no true. Uh, liberal capitalist democracy today uh, is just a myth Uh, that's based on the myth of uh, economic uh, freedom, political and economic freedom. Uh, Because even if you take the cases of uh, countries from the north, uh, so there uh, it's more complicated because the way these countries uh, were constructed and constructed citizenship is, is stronger which means that they won't exploit their own citizens. Uh, They are going to exploit more human trafficking and they are going to exploit uh, foreigners through uh, migratory policies, as we just described before. Uh, But still, we could question here uh, the true uh, freedom and liberty of people into these countries because uh, you are uh, educated and raised in order to uh to 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 feed or to supply uh, uh, a market of labor and juice uh, work and uh, there you will also it will be interesting to uh, consider the question of uh, the debt into this country. So where is the true uh, freedom uh, of uh, choice of labor into such uh, capitalist uh, systems? Uh, so it's a it's a it's a huge question. Uh, But it's important to, uh, and we don't have the time to answer it today, but it's important to uh, acknowledge it uh, in order to truly uh, understand this uh, phenomenon of uh, modern day slavery, both in its most uh, significant and important uh, uh, forms of expression in developing countries, but also to question the very freedom uh, 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 um, of capitalist democracies, which are uh, into uh, developed uh, countries. uh, Because still in these countries, also we could question the true freedom uh, of uh, choice and the true social contract here between the different actors uh, in place.
0: Dr. Martig, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, that, that's, a, uh, that's a great, uh, that's a very significant topic we are talking about. It's important that people uh, hear about. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for the work you are also uh, doing uh, uh, with uh, this podcast. Uh, it's uh, it's a great job. Mm.
0: Dr. Alexis Jonathan Martique. He's an adjunct professor at the University of Alberta and an instructor at MacEwan University and author of Slaving Zones, Contemporary Slavery and Citizenship. You are listening to the Humanities Matter podcast. You can find more podcast episodes on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcast